0: Good morning, morning. and welcome to Shepherd's Gate Church. My name's Tim. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor, and we're so thrilled to have you here today on Palm Sunday, which is the start of the greatest week ever in the history of all mankind as we celebrate all that God did in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. And literally, this is, in my opinion, the most important week, even for us, to really reflect and to remember and to celebrate all that Jesus did for us. Amen? So I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you've chosen Shepherd's Gate this morning. And those of you that are joining us online, we're so glad that we can bring this into your homes and into your lives as well. And I know we also have the incredible privilege to have our kids with us this morning. I love it when we have our kids in service. Yes. So kids. Kids, can you hear me? I know they gave you a bunch of stuff to keep you busy during the message, okay? You, you got like instructions on how to fold a cross or the palm branch into a cross and coloring books. But can you do this for me right at the beginning? Can you go ahead and stand up on your chair wherever you're at? And yes, the pastor just told you to do that. Hey, look around at all your SG kids' friends. Now you know where they're at, okay? Stay standing. Don't don't leave. Hey, look at me, kids. Look at me. I want you to hear this, okay, from my heart. You guys are so loved. You are so loved valued. We are so glad. I'm so pumped that you're in here today because I believe this message is not only going to speak to your parents and your grandparents, it's going to speak into your heart and into your life as well. In fact, this is what I did just for you. I included pictures in almost all of my slides this morning. And I'll tell you this, some of the adults are going to benefit by seeing the pictures as well. But those are for you, and at certain points in the message this morning, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to ask you for your advice and your opinions. I'm going to tell the adults in here to be quiet, and I'm going to ask you what you guys think. So is that a deal this morning, as we start Holy Week? And then I know at the end of the service, we have something special, because you're going to help us with the service. And then just a reminder now, because after the service today, we're all going to go over to the fellowship hall for our family Easter experience, where, listen to this, kids, they ordered Jets pizza. All right. But don't worry, we're going to get to that later, because if your parents have something on their calendar by the end of the service, it's not going to be there anymore, because the best place to be is at Shepherd's Gate today. (laughs) Kids, amen? Amen. Give them another hand as they're seated this morning. All right. If you're a guest this morning. And you have kids and you're a guest this morning. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, as you can see, we love kids. We love preaching God's word. And we love seeing what it is that God continues to do in our hearts and our lives today. So let me ask you this question as we start this morning. What are the moments in your life that cause you to slow down? Age. Getting sick. Holidays. Do holidays actually do that? To do it for you? Do all of you feel like you slowed down your life to be here this morning on Palm Sunday, or did you race to be part of this service today? You're like, we got to get in church. It's we haven't been in a few weeks, or we haven't been in a few months, or we haven't been since that other holiday called Christmas. We got to figure out how to get in church. What else? Vacations. What about a diagnosis? what about a sudden loss of life as a way of just kind of slowing us down and bringing our focus back into maybe probably most likely what it should be and trying to figure out what are we really living for at the end of the day. We do. As Americans, we're a little nutty, aren't we? The pace in which we live, the lives and our schedules and our phones and all the things that we have to do And yet, Holy Week, my prayer, especially this year for you, is that it's one of those intentional moments where you are going to take time to slow down and to breathe and to allow God, listen to this, to minister to your soul. See, many of you, I recognize you this morning. And I specifically recognize you from your Facebook posts from your spring break trips which thank you for sharing your vacations with us, okay? And so often that's what we do. We live for our next trip. We live for our next vacation. We live for our next break. And those are all good things. We need to do that for our bodies and for our minds. But Holy Week, I would submit to you, is that opportunity for us to to focus on our souls, the very core of our being and what God has created and how he wants to heal us and minister to us and encourage us. And to fill us once again with the hope and the grace and the mercy and the peace that only he can give. Amen? And I'll tell you, every single Holy Week, I can go back and I can chart my own personal life. I can tell you that for whatever reason, and and I know why. I know that the devil's after us. I believe in the devil. I believe he's always trying to kill, steal, and destroy us because that's what the Bible says. That every single time, there's always something in my life especially this week, especially with all that we have here going on in the church. And if you were here last year for Easter, you might remember me telling a story about how my son was attacked by a dog in our neighborhood and how I had to go to the emergency room and how it was just this whole fiasco the whole week and wouldn't you know it's been an entire year, and now all of a sudden we're being called again. We're being called by the courts and the lawyers and all this, and they want all this information from something that happened a year ago. And oh, by the way, they called me Friday afternoon and they want all the information this next week. You know what I told them? I said, It's Holy Week. No. You know what else happened this last week? My son, Henry, got sick. And, you know, sometimes illnesses go around. And don't feel too bad for him. He's been walking around the house for three days in his bathrobe, (laughs) watching the masters and watching the tigers. So he's just in his little heaven right now. But this morning when I woke up and found out that my wife now is sick, I'm like, Lisa, it's Holy Week. And you ever notice how things always come in threes? It can never just be one or two. It's always got to be three. So we kind of prayed about making a decision and selling one of our cars. And so I put one of our cars on a website. And so there was people that were interested in the car. And one guy that was so interested in it, he actually said, I want to buy your car. He overnights me a check. So I take the check to the bank. That's what you're supposed to do. And just yesterday, I got a call from the bank, I had to go into the bank, uh, because they froze all of our accounts. Because apparently the check is fraudulent. And I said, wait a second, why do you freeze my accounts? Just deny the check, obviously you haven't given me the funds. And this is the interesting part, because the first question they asked when they went in the bank is they said, please don't tell us that you gave him your car. I said, absolutely not, His his check didn't clear. And he said, you wouldn't believe how many people Don't wait for the check to clear and this is how these scammers work. So I'm having an incredible holy week, okay? (laughs) But I'm asking myself, what are we really living for anyways? Because I know and I believe we live in a fallen, sinful, broken world and the world's not going to get any better. But yet somehow as I read scripture and as I see the life and the teachings of Jesus, I'm reminded again that even in the midst of all of that, he never stops working in our hearts and in our lives that he's got a purpose and plan for my life as much as he has a purpose and plan for your life that he's working deeply in your family and that he loves your kids and your grandkids and he wants you to have the best experience on this earth that you can possibly have even when it seems like the world is falling around apart from everything else going on. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to turn to God's word this is what we do here at Shepherd's Gate we're going to walk through scripture specifically the account of Palm Sunday. And what's so fascinating about Palm Sunday is it's actually in all four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that doesn't happen that often in Scripture, but that's how important it is for us to understand the significance of Palm Sunday. And so today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21. So again, kids, I got pictures for you. This is going to help you out. Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. It says this, that as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives... So here's Jesus. He spent the last three years doing all this incredible ministry. He didn't really spend too much time in and around Jerusalem. It was all out in the country. It was all by the Sea of Galilee. He even went north. He went to pretty much every other region except for the epicenter of of kind of their major city at this time. And so Bethpage is about a mile outside of Jerusalem. So here they are. They know where they're going. And Jesus is with his disciples. They know what is going to happen when they go into that city, they know that they're going to be met with resistance. And so what Jesus does is he actually sends two disciples to go to the village ahead of them. He says, I want you guys to go ahead of us and at once you're going to find a donkey that's tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me and if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. All right, who's orchestrating these events? Jesus is. He's the one that picks the two disciples. He tells them to go ahead. He's the one that tells them where this donkey and this colt are and tells them to go get them. And the reason he does that is because it's a fulfillment of prophecy. It's found in Zechariah, which at that time was 500 years old. So he's fulfilling a 500-year-old prophecy, which for us is 2,500 years old, where the prophecy says, Say to the daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you. What's the word? Gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt The fowl of a donkey. Which is really interesting that he did this. And everyone would have known what Jesus was doing. All the Jewish community knew of this account. They all knew the significance of a donkey and a colt and how throughout the Old Testament, when a king wanted to go into some place, they would ride a horse for war. They would ride a donkey for peace. Peace. And they would have even remembered when David was king and David then gave his kingdom to Saul and Saul was put on a donkey. So they all would have known what Jesus was orchestrating in this moment. And in verse six, it says this, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Now watch what happens next. A very large crowd Kind of like what we have here this morning. It's hard to know how many people are actually in here. So they just say, Large crowds spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Now I like the way that John adds a couple details into this as well because he says, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and so they came, not only because of him. And so imagine three years of doing ministry, three years of of healing people and raising the dead and performing all of these incredible miracles. And by now, Jesus' notoriety would have been so huge, not only because of him, but also because of who? Lazarus, who we talked about last Sunday. And isn't it funny as we remember last Sunday and that Jesus' friend was ill and he didn't go and heal him. In fact, he didn't wait one day, two days, or three days. He actually waited four whole days before going and raising Lazarus from the dead. And it wasn't just so that the people there could see the miracle and see God's power over everything on this planet. It was also because this was part of gathering the large crowd. Jesus organized his own parade I mean, think of that. That's incredible. And so it says to see Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead, and so the chief priests made plans to do what? To kill Lazarus as well. I always say in the account of Jesus raising Lazarus, Lazarus is the one that ends up with the bum deal. Did you know that? No one ever asked him if he wanted to be raised from the dead. He had spent four days in paradise. Imagine when he came out of that tomb and was like, No, no, no. I don't want to be here. Send me back. Send me back. I would have just turned right back around, put everything back on, and went back into the cave. Now he's got a death threat on his head from the, from the religious leaders. But what is happening in this moment? More and more people are coming to a knowledge of Jesus. More and more people are seeing what it is that Jesus can do in their heart and in their lives and how he, with the relationship through him, can change everything about your outlook on life and the relationships that you have with others. So much so that the crowds went ahead of them, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. So imagine they're screaming at the top of their lungs. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And Hosanna, the definition of Hosanna simply means save us, save us, save us. But yet they thought that he was going to save them from the government that was oppressing them. They were known as the Romans. And even though he was on a donkey and even though that meant peace, they thought somehow, they got half of the story correct or half of the account correct, that by going into Jerusalem that somehow this would mean that Jesus would take over and Jesus would become their ruler on earth. And that's not what it was all about. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And I love this. It's because the crowds answered. The people that had been touched by Jesus answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And you just imagine as this city is full of people for this festival. There are all these people that have gathered around. And Jesus also knowing what this means to go public, to put himself in this position, to put himself right in, in harm's way of the people that have been trying to kill him. And his message. In fact, Luke captures it this way that some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I mean, they're saying this right to Jesus. You got to stop this parade. You got to stop this commotion. This isn't about you. This is about a whole different festival, and you're just trying to draw attention to yourself. Who do you think you are? And Jesus responds, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The stones that he created, the world, and all that is in it belongs to our God. Now, kids, you still with me this morning? Good. I need your help. Because this is what I was thinking about this last week. Do donkeys walk fast or do donkeys walk slow? Slow. Has anyone ever seen anybody race a donkey? Does anyone ever go donkey back riding? <laughs> no, you go horseback riding, right? That's, that's what you do. And I want you to think about this. Jesus gets on a donkey and he rides into Jerusalem. And I want you to think about how much that must have slowed everything down for him and the disciples. It's a festival. So many people would have been walking fast. So many people would have been trying to get into the, the hotels and whatever they had at that time, pushing through the walls. I mean, this was mass chaos. It's like opening day for the Tigers, right? Everybody's trying to get into to Comerica Park. And there's people that even go down to Detroit that don't ever even go to the game. So you can imagine this crowd's just, and here comes Jesus on a what? On a, let's say, slow donkey. He's just taking his time being very intentional. You can just kind of enter into that moment with Jesus as certainly he can look back into the country and he can remember all the incredible things that he experienced. And now as he turns and he looks toward Jerusalem where he knows in a few days he's going to begin his final moments on earth, that he's going to be dragged around that city that eventually they're going to lead him out and they're going to put him on a cross and he's going to have to extend his hands after beating and flogging him. And and instead of praising him, they're going to actually put all these insults upon him. And even with all that pain and suffering that he's experienced in his physical body, do you know that the most pain that he suffered was in his soul? As all of the sins of the world were placed upon him. And as he's gasping for breath, as he realizes the magnitude of the moment, as he waited until all of those things were placed upon him, he breathed his last breath so that three days later he could rise from the dead so you and I could have life and have it to the full. And yet it all started on Home Sunday. John put it this way. So the Pharisees said to one another, See this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after Jesus. The whole world's gone mad. And for them, this was the whole world because this is the epicenter of everything that they knew at this time. It made me kind of pause and think about this. What is happening in our whole world? What's happened in the last three years of our lives? 2019 was kind of a nice year, wasn't it? Anybody remember 2019? I feel like we need more songs about 2019. Like, back in 2019. Two years ago, as the whole world blew up, we didn't even gather like this. All of the services were online. We were all in our homes with just our immediate families. And even last year, as we slowly began to climb out of this thing and began to understand more and begin to see where, okay, maybe we can get back to some semblance of life. And now it's 2022. We made it. You're here. You're breathing. You're alive. And God's not done with your life yet. And even though maybe we don't understand all the things going on in the world Maybe you're frustrated because you wish you could do more, or you wish you had the answers, or you wish that you could somehow get involved. What about in your own little world? What would God challenge you this Holy Week? To maybe pause and to reflect and to remember. See, this is what God has been speaking to me this week. Maybe it's time for rest. Maybe it's time we get out our calendars and some of you have your phones on you right now, which I'm assuming you're reading the scriptures with me this morning, right? And it's time to do this. Cancel some appointments we have this week. Cancel some sales calls that we have this week. And spend some time with God and allow him to minister to our soul. You know what got quiet at the nine o'clock when I said this as well? Well, You know, that's what I did last week when I finally woke up and realized the significance of this week is not to treat it like any other week. And I went through and I started canceling appointments with our staff and I started canceling appointments with people in our church and I said, it can wait. And God, how do I want to realign my schedule and refocus my schedule this week to spend more time with you, to read your word for myself, to get into the the word of God and to reflect and refocus and remember what it is that you have done For me. And not only so, to be part of all the services that we have here. To come in and just to be able to sing and to pray and to hear God's word. And to remember that life on this earth is kind of temporary and short, isn't it? Something else is going to blow up this week in my household. I just know it, okay? And you know what? Next week after Easter, something else will. And this spring, something will. And this summer will. And this fall will. Because that's life, isn't it? And life isn't fair. In fact, I was, a wedding, I was at a wedding last night, and I was talking to a friend. and I said, "Wow, you, it looks like you guys had an incredible time on spring break." And he, and he said, "Well, why do you say that?" And I said, "Man, you, you guys posted all these pictures and you had all these incredible things." And he said, "Oh, no, no, none of that's true. It was terrible. It was awful. The whole, the whole trip was terrible, awful. And I was like, well, why did you post all that stuff? He's like, why would you post negative stuff on Facebook? It's true. We all face challenges. We all face hardships. We all face circumstances in our lives. But yet, Holy Week has a way of drawing us back to the Father. And it draws us back to Jesus, and it draws us back to what it is that he has done for us. And so that's my challenge for you as we begin this Holy Week Remember, you are a saved child of God. He has already done everything for you. And now He's calling you Himself. He wants to bring you close to Himself and He wants to pour His love and His grace and His mercy into you. So, what do you think? How many of you want to sign up for this? How many of you want to sign up for rest, refocus, and remembering the greatest week that ever existed on this earth? All right. Seems like most of you are on board. Here's the last one. Ready for this? Just as we sang in that last song that we'll praise God on the mountaintop, we'll praise him in the valley. What if we add this to the list? Rejoicing. How's that sound? That we rejoice and we thank God and we praise God for his amazing grace and mercy in our lives.